Welcome back to the OPEX podcast where fitness is explained. I am your host, Robbie Burke, and I'm joined on today's show once again by James Fitzgerald. On this episode, James and I discuss many topics. We get an update from James on what he has been currently working on. We discuss setting realistic goals for our clients. We discuss coaching burnout and work-life balance. And we also discuss the Functional Fitness Federation World Championships that will be taking place in London in October later this year. Guys, this was an absolutely outstanding episode with James. I know you're going to love it. Stay with us. Okay, Fitzy, we are live and we are recording. Um, thanks as always for making time, particularly that you're in Idaho on your holiday with your family. I appreciate it. I probably should have said of course. that. I probably should have said out live. You're going to get stalkers. So he's in Idaho. He's down the mountain. <laughs> no, I don't mind. If you know where I am, you can come work out with me. Yeah, great. I'm sure, if you're interested, you're probably into exercise. So, absolutely. He'll be. He'll. Uh, you'll be his guinea pig. He goes. Try this mixed model piece. Yeah, that's you. that's right. It's actually not working out with me. I just want to use you. Put you in my lab because I really don't <laughs> like working out with other people unless we're going to compete against one another. Uh, awesome stuff. So before we get into our topic today, which we agreed upon just literally two minutes ago, uh, we're going to talk about setting real, realistic expectations for clients. Um, you had a very good Facebook post out on that where there was some good conversation around that. Um, before we get into that, how are you? How have you been? What's new in your world? Um, what's been going on in your mind and your brain? Where's your focus been lately? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm, uh, I'm healthy. I'm enjoying the rest of the summer. Um, up here away from the desert um, and enjoying some time with my uh, family. Um, been exercising regularly and uh, been some of the projects that have been on um, are putting together a mixed modal digital course mm. um, or course for mixed modal, um, which encompasses, you know, basically everything that was in my brain over the past decade on um, just how to, how to win at, uh, at mixed mole and what's involved inside of it. Yeah, no, honestly, that's the ultimate goal in it. Cause yeah. you know, why, why propose to teach something if it's not going to be helpful for a whole ton of people and coaching and athleticism for the sport, you know? So, um, I want it to be, uh, um, almost like the super training of, uh, of mixed modal, if that makes sense. Uh, just that, that, uh, that course and that booklet and that manual that people will go to, you know, to kind of get, get those little insights that we'd always go back and look at SIF stuff to grab some knowledge bombs, you know? Mm. Um, so that's been the biggest project. Um, what I've been uh, doing, um, we've been finishing up the, uh, book, um, uh, a book on uh, professional fitness coaching and, yes. and my story and how that, how that, uh, falls into place. Um, we just uh, finally inked a deal uh, with uh, Brand X um, in terms of my uh, part um, ownership within uh, their company and the partnership that OPEX and Brand X is, has just uh, sealed a deal on. We're trying to, um, you know, put together a really solid foundation of what they have currently or already built in their ideas um, to really make an impact on uh, youth and children fitness education. Um, so we're pretty, pretty excited about that. Um, you know, and, and still taking care of, uh, um, and being a part of, uh, the day-to-day -day growth for all of our, um, CCP coaches and, uh, what they're doing on, on course, um, our gyms and how they're growing as well as, uh, the big dogs. 
and uh, coaching people and coaching, just really helping those coaches um, do the best as possible online with individuals. And also being a whopper dad and great husband. Yeah, well, I started with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So well, I didn't say I was a whopper of one, but uh, I'm I'm doing my job, you know. It's, a, a, a whopper, man. That's a, I like it. I'm good. I'm good at. It. So a few things on that for me. So yeah. excited for that digital course. That's going to be unbelievable. The book. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's it's almost uh, it's just uh, so all encompassing. You know, there's just so much. There's so much. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Because uh, four years ago, I, I did like a, a mentorship and I filmed it. And like, it's over 20 hours. And like a professional crew came in. And I, and I know the guys well. They're good friends. When they're, they're excellent professionals, by the way. Like, so it's their full-time thing. Like they're actually like a serious production business here now. Yeah. Um, they were kind of in their growth and development back then but like do you know when you're like shooting a video and like I can see this in YouTube with the CCP and it's just like you know we're so into it because I've watched the videos back of myself and we're so into it like and you know all this and I'm always wondering what's going through their heads the production team because you know they're not like as into like this whole fitness realm as we are but I can, yeah. I can remember one of the production crew uh, like when it was all said and done like he was like talking about like a lactic power and capacity and he goes I know all these terms because all I've been doing for the last two months is just editing your voice in my head over and over <laughs> so like do, do, you, do you ever get that too like when you're at the whiteboard oh, yeah. and like you think that they think that you're just crazy particularly when you go mm, I think I need to do that one again it's like no that was perfect what was wrong it's like, I could have said that a bit better they don't get it but in your mind like I could have yeah. Yeah, well, man, there's a we could have a whole show on that actually, but a couple of <laughs> with, with bloopers, a, with bloopers, that'd be great. Yeah, the original uh, gentleman that I worked with for CCP, his name is Michael Cardwell. Um, Digital Brew, I think, is the company. Just as a shout out to his work, but what a great um, name, by the way. Yeah, fantastic, right? And uh, just a superhuman. Um, and of course, he had no concept of education and fitness, right? So. He, we'd finish every shoot and, he, and like every little bit, like on, let's just say the section on water and nourishment. Right. And he'd be like, you know, he, we'd be forget to turn off the film. Right. Cause he'd be like, so interested, like watching me, like listening to what I was saying, as opposed to like getting the good shots that afterwards he's like, that shit's fascinating. I didn't know that. I, you know, I got to up my water intake and just imagine that went on for like three weeks in a row after every hit. Right. So he left with this, like, monster brain of information on education for fitness which he really loved and then as you know emma you know we'd have some we'd have some funny uh conversations but uh, an interesting point robbie is that you know i think that what i try to do over time for education is not that it's kind of necessary but if i can't explain a lactic power you know if that that emma can't un can't understand that i'm probably not doing my job mm. You know, so I would use that as a as a way of like, you know, although there's a human behind the camera, you know, I would say afterwards, like, you know, does that make sense, Emma? And she's, she'd be like, yeah, that totally makes sense. I get the progression. I understand the complexity, but also why you should do it that way, you know, and then that would make me sleep better at night based upon it. But it, last interesting point, this is honest to God. First thing I thought about when you said that is I think over time people will be able to, and I don't know I go into deep holes on this one, but I really think it's going to happen is that we'll be able to see or understand possibly what other people are thinking. Now I know there's a long way to get there. Um, but if you watch, you know, certain, <laughs> certain Netflix uh, shows as well as this, the speed and evolution of, um, you know, virtual reality and artificial intelligence, 
you know, I could, I could just imagine you standing, you know, up there speaking and you having the opportunity to see like what's going on in that person's head while you're saying things. Right. So you're talking about a lactic power and, and they're off thinking of like bunnies and grass, you know, and sunshine. Stop thinking um, about that. Stop thinking about my wife. <laughs> that, well, I, I didn't want to get into uncomfortable quarters, but um, you know, I, you could just imagine what, what, kind of things are going to be in that thought process uh when you when you have when other people have access to your thoughts you know i don't know about the listeners but uh fitzy i'm i'm well used to your crazy your crazy thoughts and, and your, 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 your <laughs> yeah your i think i'll just get locked up i don't want anyone to see that because there's stuff that goes on upstairs that i just can't unfold <laughs> so i meant to say to you there as well so digital course going to be savage the uh and just for international listeners irish uh we say savage means very good um book uh really looking forward to the books it's always great to have something you know in your hands as well yeah. I, I will say this you are better looking than mel sif so you already have that going for you so that's a one-up and super training already rest um, in peace mel rest in peace mel yeah it is a fine book even though even though and i've said this you know if we want to be a bit critical some of the referencing in is very poor. Yeah. For instance, yeah. in the text, he's got Francis, 88. I go to the bibliography at the back. It's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know Mel, if you ever listened to him or spoke to him, he's oh, like, he's his head is like six. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's way over here. So you got to understand there's some looseness in that. I actually only have seen, I only have one video presentation off, off Mel and it's from the Swiss conference by... Ken I was Kennedy. there. Were you at that? I was there. The one on biomechanics. That was the one you done. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. calls and he calls Eric Stop, he calls Eric Serrano up to the stage and he's no idea who Eric Serrano is and when I was watching this yep. I was like, this is so surreal he's like yep. he's treating Eric Serrano as if he's just like someone attending the course he doesn't even know like he's there to lecture yeah it was so funny and then yep. final thing before we get into our conversation you were just saying there about uh, CCP and our coaches uh, one thing I've noticed is that like it's really exploding in terms of like interaction on the forums and some of the questions yeah. some, of the, some of the guys are putting in there like they're really well like even like because I've come from more of a strength conditioner world than the fitness yeah. world you know yeah. or sort of the world that OPEX has evolved in like I've only really got into the last 12 to 18 months and really started studying it since I got into CCP level one and started this year like even I'm reading some of those trades and I'm like, that's a really good program. And I'm, I'm a little bit lost with some of the topics and there's some really, really smart guys asking some good questions in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy about that of, uh, and girls and girls too, just, just, and girls. Yeah. 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 I think you meant everyone, but based on that, but, um, I, I'm really happy about that because it's not only shows that we're attracting, uh, the right kind of audience to ask those things, but also the fact that we are, giving off an energy that, mm. you know, critical questions should be asked. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's helpful for everyone, no matter, because you know, as you know, you know, sitting on this side of the fence, when I, when I put this on and when we like put something into the wireframes and on paper, it seems like truth. Right. Mm. But the reason why we put that on paper and in the videos is that we need to have heuristics and a base support. Right. Yeah. And the challenge with that is that there's always a way that someone else will think of it differently. Yeah. Right. And so those critical, those critical thinking is what we want and honor. And I would agree with you. I've seen more of it over the past little while, which will only lead to growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now what growth means, it doesn't mean like six times as many coaches, but it certainly will up level um, the education for fitness coaching. And the, the one thing I sort of noticed too is that the questions are, they seem a lot more 
um, well studied and they're coming from people who are a little more well read because like initially if I go back to some of the older questions and this is even just with this is this isn't even just limited to OPEX and CCB course I've seen this with multiple courses I've been involved in like people start asking questions they're like like that's a cart way before horse like people asking about like functional testing and like looking at good bios you know what I mean it's just like you know, yeah. with us, it's just like, you know, the, the, the BLGs, like first, that, that kind of thing I'm trying to think of, you know, or people asking like just way too complicated questions when it's like, have you looked into this first? Like I'm seeing less people actually jumping the gun, which is a good thing. So, cause obviously they're starting to realize here, there's principles here and there's, there's big rocks that we need to take care of first. I don't know if yeah. you, you're noticing a similar trend. Oh, there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I don't know if I'm saying that it's a great noticing on your part because I like like the fact that people are there with their questioning, but I, I I would say that it is a great noticing on your part that you're seeing that. Um, I think that too, just to try to explain, you know, why that was the way it was before, is that the fitness you know uh, community, let's say for coaching as well, is changing very rapidly. It's a very malleable, plastic um, kind of organized thing. And, um, you know, although I keep saying that I think it's going to take a long time to make large impacts, I think that the coaches are finally, um, you know, challenging notions. Mm. Um, and they're doing that even internally in OPEX, which is good, right? Because that's what I, I, I say that all the time, right? I mean, um, but I think where they, those questions may have come from before was really from a place of like, I just want to be involved. So I'll just ask something yeah. to make it seem like I'm smart. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, and now the coach is going just a second. Now um, I want to see some evidence of what you mean when you say that keto is going to do this, you know, mm. and those are great questions. Those are great questions. And if more and more coaches are thinking like that, where they're taking a second now to go just a second, right? Let me think about the principles. Let me think about the BLGs. Let me think about, you know, then I think we're in a good spot. I think that's a good sign for fitness overall too. Definitely, definitely. Okay, we're into our topic, but there is one more thing, cause, and this is a really good conversation because this is actually a question I have wanted to ask you. Um, again, just before we get into our topic on setting... Well, maybe stuff. this is just an update show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen. Right, that's what's going on. Let's update people. Um. One thing I really wanted to ask you about is groupthink, okay? And is what, sorry? Groupthink. You know, so when, when so groupthink essentially is a concept that like when everyone is sort of uh, in the same bubble, they just agree on all the same thing and they don't challenge each oh, other. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. So w one thing I do notice sometimes with some of the guys within the OPEC system is they sound really like you a lot of time. Like they use similar words. It's like, yeah. that's exactly. Yeah. And like, do you ever think that that could fall into the danger that they, that they may step away from critically being more critical thinking for themselves and kind of maybe almost blindly accepting sometimes what you say? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think if you look back at my history as well, we all use the language that's most current of what we really believe are some truths, right? So I just see what they're saying as, what they really believe in as truth. It's just that they haven't formulated their own planning on language. So that doesn't make it incorrect or make it an echo chamber. It just means that that's the only way, you know, for example, uh, listen to um, uh, Sam Harris the other day, 
Um, he had a great podcast, by the way, with this uh, lady who wrote, wrote uh, Hormonal, and she's a deep researcher on biological hormonal differentiation and sex wow. and gender, et cetera. It's very powerful. I kind of love that. I really love that stuff, obviously, for biology purposes. But, but he, because, so he said something, and I'm giving you an example of that echo chamber and group thought. He said something that I'm sure I've never heard the way it's explained before, but he said it in a language that I can only say it the exact same way he said it in order for me to understand it. Does yeah. that make sense? It does make so sense. I say yeah. it in conversation with you, that may seem to be biased thinking or group thought mentality, or it may just be someone had given me the power to create a language around something that I couldn't understand. Mm. Right. But now that he said it that way, I don't know any other way to say it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that, Until I experience it enough where I create my own language around it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's actually a really good answer. I'm not just saying if that actually is a very good answer. Because yeah, I've see, uh, gone through similar processes myself in that if you have no frame of reference for for a certain concept and then you're first introduced to it, obviously that's going to be your 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 go-to semantics to explain it until maybe you hear it a different way that might potentially sound a little better or you get to a place where you formulate such a foundation of knowledge that you can nearly say it in your own way that you think makes a little more sense. Exactly. And that's why I call it principles. Yes. Right? They're not they're not answers, they're principles. So, you know, I want, you know, any of our coaches in six years to say something in their own language, to be questioned on it. And then realize that I said that same thing 15 years ago, mm-hmm. right? So they have to go through the experience in order to validate their own experiences itself over time. You know, yeah. it's just like you and I talk about all the time, right? You and I love that where it's like, oh yeah, that coach said that, you know, 20 years ago. You know? just, that's exactly. Like Charlie Francis context, right? Yeah. On high, low or, or systems of, of uh, development. It's like they said that. And I guarantee you someone said something to Charlie yes. 20 years prior to that that made him go, okay, that's a language that makes me make sense of it. And all these systems have been around forever. They just formulate like Talib's way, right? An anti-fragility. They yeah. just formulate in a way with different languages. That just makes sense to us over time. But remember uh, the episode where I pulled that quote from Verkashansky, where he was talking yeah. about, um, you know, apl- applying um, a, high Scaffolding. Inter- a, a high intensity stimulus to yeah. uh, to an organism that isn't ready and i was like that's and he had a different wording for it but i was like that's maximum physical potential that's the concept james has, but it's exactly. just different wording yeah so exactly yeah. you know and i guarantee you you know i probably read that in mid 90s yeah right but i don't remember that i read it you know yeah. and then it's just like i was just in my head like my gosh that just you know it makes sense and i just call it something else but really it's language you know? yeah it, so. it, pl- it planted a seed but it grew into something different in your garden yeah that's right great uh great irish way of putting it Tell me, I'm not just good looks, people. Uh, <laughs> so they can't see you. You can't see your pinkish shoe on your cheeks. Very subjective. I told you that's actually ketchup. I was eating it on, and I'm a liquor. Oh, okay. I'm a liquor of the plate. It happens sometimes. Um, so into setting client expectations, there was a very good thread on your in your Facebook page, um, and there was some good interaction on that. And I think it's a uh, it's a very timely conversation, um, because. Yeah. I'm actually hearing it in a few places on the mind muscle well, project. It's finally due to reality. Yeah, yeah. Right. On the mind muscle real today. You know, Kardashians is is reality. You know, or, yeah. or TV shows are reality. So, 
on the My Muscle Project, uh, when the guys interviewed actually um, uh, Michelle from uh, DecaComp, who I'll be having as a guest as well, as, as I was telling you before we copped online, that this concept came up too about setting realistic client expectations. She had her 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 answer on that, and I'll get her to expand that when we have her on our podcast. But yeah, get, get into that and uh, just wrap on that for a while because I know it's a it's another area like so many that you are very vested in and have a lot of thoughts about. Yeah. Um, well, what's the what's the driving uh, question or interest? So setting uh, realistic client expectations. So I su- I suppose. Or we can create context to what the Facebook post is about first, and then. Oh well, I mean, you the the, the concept from the post was that you were saying it, well the what I took from it from from my perception was about coaches you know, to have the courage, right? The courage to say the truth in terms yeah. of you know again saying expectations and again i suppose what drives that and, and you said this a lot of time is the assessment and yeah. uh, th- that's your truth and one just one thing for you for you do uh take this away is it's actually came into my head today and actually i have to say to you uh well done on this point because it, it drove something home for me is that assessment is where someone is right now okay and the reason i bring that up is i actually had a client that i was programming for james right and he was having shin splint issues and I've programmed for this guy before, but it was a while back. And I made such a stupid mistake. I never asked him his body weight. He, he'd put on 10 kilos since we last. No, no, he wasn't fat. He just put on 10 kilos of muscle from yeah. training. Yeah. But he hadn't been running. He was doing a shit ton of weightlifting and all that. And we were like, what's up with this fucking shin splints? I was like, how are your shins? All right, don't do your tempo runs. We'll use mixed model methods. And then like, he, like, he just goes to me one day. He, he was talking about his diet and all that. I was like, what do you weigh now? And he was like, oh, I'm about 90 kilo. I was like, 90 kilo? I was like, you were probably 82 when I saw you last. Was like, yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> so it was just that. And then so when you were like, assessment is where you are now. And how many times have we done that? What's your, uh, what's your max squat? 200 kilo? Yeah, when did you do that? Oh, four, <laughs> four, oh, four years ago. Yeah, what's it, what's, it, what's it now? Oh, it's one Yeah, seven. That's a big deal. I still have a 485 deadlift too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, so again, our question is setting realistic client expectations. And I just wanted to add that point that I was really appreciated that point where you kind of just drove a home. Again, it's something that you do know, but you weren't, you weren't putting it to, to the forefront as much as you should. It's like, where are you now? And assessment is truth. And assess, it's like, the, it's like Greg Cook says, the FMS. Like, even if you move like shit, it doesn't make you a bad person. And that's your thing too with the assessment. You're like, listen, assessment, yeah. assessment is just telling you where you are now. It's not like your <laughs> destiny. <laughs> I know the fact that we have to like the fact that we even have to say, you know, include morality inside of that is really a sad state of affairs. Oh, I know. I'm sure. It listen, really is sad. That, just, that, just to start, you know, it's, it's man. Anyways, a whole other time, but, um, you know, wow. It's, uh, and, and also too, that that's, I also want to, uh, include the, uh, the conversation around the wonderment and power around science and uh, experimentation and the scientific method. Um, I really think that's being pushed really, you know, further and further away from um, professional fitness coaching. Mm. And that's really the driving thing underneath that. But when I make commentary on, you know, mentioning to coaches to have enough courage I start with that because I know the pain that's involved in a coach, uh, even, you know, formulating an idea that creates the best communication towards the client on what they really think about their expectations. Like I understand the pain, right? I've been there. I've coached thousands of coaches with that pain. 
I've rehabbed thousands of coaches out of their brain. They're thinking around that pain. So I know that it does take courage. It takes courage to say, I really think you may not get there as fast as you think you will. Now, where the challenge occurs inside of that is from two different areas. Number one, you may not even know how, what the speed of adaptation is, right? Number two is this really unhealthy push for woo-woo uh, behavioral uh, methods only within professional fitness and a loss of scientific method. Mm. So the first one we'll hit on um, is that some people actually don't know how fast someone will adapt, right? We don't know that. Now, and in, in, in what's at play there is that the client comes in, and I use the example of getting an answer on Google in 10 seconds, but it's more than just that. Like, you know, they, they shit on in porcelain, and uh, they have phones, and the car can take them, you know, 100 miles an hour. And I, I can give you 6,000 more examples of how fast things have been improving over the past 10 years. And humans have connected this to how everything progresses, Right. You combine that with their reality is video games, Facebook, un, like false connection, false connection uh, with individuals. Um, and, and you have a whopper of behaviors that comes in, right? Like a whopper of behaviors. So when you say you're not going to get that dip for like nine months, you know, that, that you see, you know, who, who alarms up on the Facebook page is like, who are you to tell someone they're not going to get a dip? You know, support that person with love and compassion. It's like, I didn't say I didn't love the person or I didn't care for the person, yeah. but I'll be damned if I'm going to tell them they're going to get a dip in a couple of weeks. That's right. Even, but that's when your, I know full well, I know full well, me yeah. personally, I know full well that it's a lie, hmm. right? That I'm, I'm, I'm lying to that person yeah. based upon the expectation. So my whole point was just that, you have to recognize that, number one, there is a place for the scientific method and there's no place for only love and compassion inside of um, what we consider to be the path, you know, for, uh, for improvements in physical fitness. And, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that I use for some coaches that, and I made mention of it, is that fake it till you make it. Like, if you don't know, you know, uh, how fast someone will progress. Number one, use your gut instinct, right? Because I think humans, if they actually take a time to sit back, right, just to sit alone as a coach for 20 minutes and go, is that really going to be possible? Like your gut will tell you, you know, if that's possible. Then if you don't even have that, if you don't have intuition around how fast they're going to do it, do your fucking research, mm. right? Mm. Do your research. There is 6 million data points out there. Why don't you ask me? Right? Why don't you email and ask me? Why don't you search the interwebs? Why don't you get on forums? Why don't you ask the question to Google? Like, like there's so much data out there on actual biological, physical adaptation and progression. But all they see is what's on Instagram, Facebook, reality TV. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, you know, um, she looked like that. And then she had surgery and she looked like that. It's like, oh, well, you know, we can do that. It's like, no, you can't. It's not, it's not surgery. This is actual learned adaptation process uh, to impose demands that people have to go through. So I think that um, there's, a, there's a whole host of emotional things inside of that, that um, along with economical, you know, we haven't even mentioned that, like so many coaches are afraid to tell people the truth because 
they'll just go down the street to someone else. Mm. Um, and that's an, that I'm also empathetic to that too. I mean, I'm doing my part to help that. So the, the, you know, um, um, the society as a whole recognizes the professionalism of fitness coaching and the power of it. Um, and, uh, but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm empathetic to that coach who's, who's like, I'll kind of halfway lie to kind of keep them aboard, you know? Um, and I'll promise these expectations, but I'm just telling you, you don't want to be surrounded by a hundred percent of your clients in which you were, you know, unauthentic about the, the direction. And you know, the only ones that stay around are the unicorns, right? The three or 4% who just can respond to all those stimuli and, uh, and keep improving. Yet the rest of them, you're trying to figure out, Ooh, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's your protein intake. That's, Oh, maybe, maybe it's this program we need to do. It's like, no, at the front, you could have just said, it's probably going to take two years for you to do that. So are you still interested? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, like, sorry, I was kind of, I was cutting into there. What, what I was, what popped into my head was that, you know, when the coach is, oh, you're not, you're not supporting this person getting their dip or, you know, you're, you're, you know, but actually you are supporting them by telling them the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You actually are. Cause otherwise you're just enabling failure. And in the long run, that's going to bite you back like way more than if you were just authentic up front and was like, well, just think about the kind of relationship you're building, Robbie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Think of the relate. And th this is where obviously I'm definitely more biased, but you're just treating fitness um, unprofessionally. And incorrectly, you know, you're not, you're not honoring fitness because fitness has a biological component to it. Right. And it's also around expression physically. Uh, so we can somewhat figure out exactly what we want to do. Right. So it's a medium for a lot of people working towards their highest priorities. Um, and you're really not treating it appropriately by, by getting on board with that, by criticizing bad, unrealistic ideas. Rape and pillage, as you called it. Yeah. And uh, I loved your other uh, analogy where you're like, you know, like uh, imagine I turned around to you and I said, uh, we have a baby in three months. <laughs> you're like, you just can't fast track biology people. No. Well, not for a really long period of time. You know, it's, uh, people are trying, but it's not, it's not going to work, you know, so it's not going to work. You said that you've read so many examples of that too, that, I mean, I, I, oh, I, know. I just love the reproduction one, but, um, you know, it's, it is yeah. what it is. I think that just drives it home really well. Like, you know, when we're talking about the high intensity model and you're just like, okay, so we're going to start having babies now in three months. You're like, no, and he's like, so why are we fast tracking fitness? Yeah. yeah. What's the hurry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I have a wedding and well, tough shit. Uh -huh. Um, you said there as well that you've rehabbed many coaches, uh, you know, from this. And it's, it's actually, mm -hmm. it, it, it brings me back to, I just finished that book that Mike Lee recommended. Well, sorry, I finished actually a while back. Um, Being Mortal by um, Atul Gandhi. Mm -hmm. um, I hope I'm pronouncing his surname right. But uh, the guy who wrote the Check This Manifesto. So Being Mortal is the name of the book. And essentially, he describes the same concept in medicine, but it's when doctors are giving terminal diagnosis and he says they always default to lying. So like when the, when the person's like, so like, what do you think my chances are? They're like, oh, like as good as any, you know? And in the mind, they're like, you have no, you have no hope. I have a hope. And he's just like, he's like, and he said, while even he was writing this book and, and talking about this concept that doctors, so essentially one of the tenets in the book is that doctors are not taught in medical school how to gracefully help people die. They just, mm -hmm. they avoid it because they're not comfortable with it. And so he was kind of saying, like you said there, in terms of coaches not being able to set realistic expectations for clients and they need to be rehabbed from that. He's like, doctors essentially need to be rehabbed out of this mindset. Um, 
and he was just like even while he was writing the book James he was like I actually had like patience in today and I still couldn't like get into the habit of like being honest you mm-hmm. know it was just like I still defaulted I still just went back to default mode because it was just an easier thing to do at the time yeah most times we just don't have time Robbie that's it um the system is not set up for it you know you can't um because you can just imagine all the things you have to rewrite you know and go backwards oh unbelievable um, you can just imagine how many lies you have to fix you know how anxious a coach could be if they have like 60 clients you know um, and there's a number of little lies in all of those. Like that's a, that just like exhausts me. Right. Um, but I do understand the pain involved and cause I've been there before as well. Right. And when it sounds like lie, it sounds like, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like an immoral thing, but they were lies, you know, uh, for different reasons. And, um, so I understand that. And what I meant by rehabbing those coaches is to, um, just allow them to understand um, the pain that's involved, not only in the, in that process of jumping on board with unrealistic expectations, um, but also just making them feel okay. That number one, I've been there before, so I mirrored it. And then number two, it gives them a liberation, right? It, it frees them of this pain around trying to make everyone happy, get on board, you know, do the dance um, and, uh, and that's what I meant by like just rehabbing. Cause I had to rewire the coach's brain. Cause no one ever told them like, you know, it's okay to tell that person the truth. Right. And they're like, oh my gosh, like no one has ever told me, you know, I have the okay to do that. And I was like, well, I want you to practice it, do it a little bit this week with a couple of people. Um, and then let's give me some feedback and then we'll work from there. And most times they come back, they're like, oh, that was so liberating. Like I feel so free, you know? Um, and I think it's, you know, it's just, um, you know, we're just trying to all be a part of one another, you know, we're trying to work things out and be happy and make things, make things clear. But when it comes down to fitness and then when there's economy connected to it and expectations of a relationship, you know, it's really important, although you're not sleeping with them, it's really important to have clear expectations. Just moving on from that then too, because just what comes to my mind is, um, I mean, if if you are doing a good thorough assessment, like yeah. h- how how did this like sort of yeah that should point you in the right direction. H- how know? did this yeah need to to if you want to call it line like how does it, it need doesn't to it doesn't come up it doesn't come up like that that's the thing. But Robbie, the if you you know assessment is the truth, right? Yes. So you're not going to assess if you don't want to see the truth. Yeah, this is the point I'm getting to is that like so many times the client just walks in and it's just like sign here. Oh yeah, you start Monday. And it's like there was no entry point. There was no assessment. There was no to to give a snapshot of where somebody was. So they say, you know, I want to, you know, get here with lean mass and fat mass, right? We'll just take two like simple little prescriptions of it. Okay. Design a program, get started and measure it in 10 days, right? And look at what their previous history was of success with exactly what they want to do. Like, just look at two things, right? So if you go back and just use an example, you don't even have to use weight loss, but you're like, you could ask them like, where have you decided to dig your heels in, do something consistently for like a couple of years in a row and you were really successful at it? Mm. You know, and the client goes, yeah, I've never done that. <laughs> it's like, how do you expect to do this consistently for three months in a row, right? Of exercising good nutritional habits. Like that's what the client, you don't have to say that like an asshole, but that's what the client hears back is like, 
Oh, interesting. So what you're telling me is that you've never, you've set a goal and you've never completed it. That's basically what the client hears back, right? So you just use that as an example, along with like we, in the scientific method, point A, point B, point C. If you have point A to point B, point B and point C, you can go, oh, well, this is the progression that we're making based upon what's inside the system of progression, right? So if you go from point A to point B in 10 days and they're like, oh, you know, I couldn't work out this weekend and actually, you know, I eat like crap a couple days, but we'll start back up. You know, you just go, okay, we had one point, point A, we now have a point B and you've been flat. I just want to let you know, right? I just want to let you know, like we said we want a progression, but in 10 days you've been flatlined. And when I discuss even those things, you know, especially on that, I don't even know what side of the column is, but so many people want to walk away from that, right? They want to run from it. Mm. right and they're just like just just hold them close and tell them they're still loved it's like oh that, that's cool but you're not going to get any progression based upon what they said they wanted to do so yeah. it's your job that's my point at the end of the comment in facebook post was it's your job as behalf of on behalf of fitness <laughs> global fitness and professional coaches your job to challenge that and to show the truth in that assessment just coming off that concept then too, you, I've heard you speak about this before and I actually love this is where you spoke about the highest form of caring for a client is detached caring. And I can remember when you mentioned that on, <laughs> it was so funny. I can't, like right now I kind of, I think it was with the Mind Muscle Project guys. I think it was one, one of their episodes or it might've been the, Do, the, the, the Doc and Jock show. It was one of those. And when you said it, yeah, actually I think it was Doc and Jock. When you said it, you were like, does that make sense? And they were like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so then you have to explain it. And you said, so a person who does not, the example you gave was great. The person where you don't give detached caring is a person where you're like, you're educating about water and sleep. And then you watch them walk out to their car and then they've just gone around the corner. You're texting me, you're taking your water, you know, and then the next day they don't show up or they miss something. You're like, oh, that's my fault. You know, you're too involved in the process. You're, you're being too much of a, an enabler and a crutch to them. Whereas true caring is where like you just give it to them and then let them, sort of have self-reliance with it so it kind of just it, it filtered my mind from that kind of process too of of you know giving the feedback with your well you're flatlining here and then you know it's your job to kind of be able to inspire them to want to do this rather than you have to be like you know the per the, the sort of the bad cop all the time saying well yes yes the uh we discuss it in language for coaching on trying to build the highest amount of trust with someone involves an aspect of caring. Now, when we say care, that's where it goes wrong, Robbie. People think of care as being, you know, enveloped on top of the person, right? Um, and then, you know, there would be commentary on people's behaviors and perspectives on, you know, I care too much. Well, my question then would be, well, what do you mean by caring? And then it kind of unfolds, like what their perception is of caring. Really, it's not that they care too much. It's that um, they only know enabling relationships because it makes them feel worthy. And, and that's a whole other rehabilitative thing on behalf of the coach. But um, the highest form of caring um, in the end is to build the biggest amount of trust in the relationship, right? So people, when you care, it's not about you caring about the client. It's about the client and the coach caring to the highest order about your relationship. So the, the mediator is the relationship. That's the medium, right? That, that's the middle of what you want to care the most about. We care the most about a relationship. On behalf of a coach, you can't be so attached to that relationship that it pulls you away from doing what you need to do to support that person. 
So that means that it's not like directly next to the person, i.e. what you were given an example of. Um, it's actually further and further away. Why? Because the highest form of trust and the greatest relationship that's built is one in which the client over time creates this autonomous atmosphere for their future and fitness and their longevity and lifestyle. And so it's, again, it's hard for a coach to recognize because they're, they're saying, so what you're telling me long-term is that the, the client doesn't need you. It's like, yeah, that's what fitness relationships are built for, right? They're built to get rid of one another because <laughs> you're trying to teach people to fish for themselves. It's not an individualistic, you know, um, you know, existence uh, idea. You know what I'm saying? It's just based upon just trying to get that person to fend for themselves within fitness to the highest order possible to do whatever they want to do in fitness. So that whatever they want to do in life through fitness, but that in itself means that you can't, you, you, you can't scale more and more caring per person for your lifetime as a coach. You will, you will die and get burnt. Yeah. And so, so many coaches I've had to, you know, help try to, to explain that. Um, and then there's two, two things that happen, unfortunately, in there. Well, fortunate is there's a big learning. But, Robbie, sometimes coaches recognize that they're, that they're in all of their relationships with clients um, for drama, for purposes of enabling, for nurturing, because it's their highest priority, yeah. right, to do those things. But what they, you can see what's happened is they've created, surrounded themselves by everyone who needs them to, you know, care really hard for them. And so then clients, you know, coaches come to me and say, I mean, I'm just so gassed. I just, I think I just care too much. And when they say that is generally a good, you know, 60, 90 minute sit down session to try to rethink their idea around what it, what it could be. Um, and the, I was, I was going to go hit a second point for it, but, um, that's basically the most important thing besides of caring too much, um, that there has to be the sweet spot in that. And we want to believe that the highest caring is for the relationship. Mm. And then secondly, it's, it's actually detaching yourself more and more over time because that creates self-responsibility on behalf of the client. Do you know what? There's so many of the gold in that question because or in that answer to that question, because yeah. so much of it resonates to me. And the first thing that comes into my head and she she won't ever listen to this, but it's my mother. <laughs> and like mm -hmm. for whatever reason, this sort of like uh, this this sort of like these two words are just like they're like just ringing in my head right now. And it's like mother syndrome, mother syndrome. Do you ever, it's like that thing where the mother like she puts everyone else before herself, and then yeah. she just completely burns out. And then like she like cracks and she plays the big like victim role. I do everything for everyone, mm -hmm. but like but yet but yet re secretly she loves serving others because she gets like a reward effect for that in whatever chemical way it is in the brain, and you know it, it gives her herself worth in the planet. But like yeah. to me like that's a similar thing if you're seeing that action in a coach it just reminds me of a lot of mothers who do that they just basically put everyone before themselves and then like 20 30 40 years later they're just gassed fucked whatever whatever comes into their life then you know and then they become so resentful then as they get older now my mother's not resentful but i'm just saying no, no. you can see this in some yeah. other some other and i'm not and i'm not just i'm not being sexist towards females it's, it's just it's just something i'm saying no. right now. It's yeah no no no, no yeah it's, it's feminist trait maybe more so than anything else well, not we, we can, you know, we can, you can navigate through the masculine and feminine continuum and, and it, there's no gender connected to that where people yeah. really have a really high priority and a calling for nurturing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, and I'll, you know, there's a bunch of different ways you can call it, right? Because when you say nurturing, folks are like, oh, that's mama and child. It's like, no, there's numerous individuals, you know, on this planet, 12-year-old female, 65-year-old male 
that are really, you know, powerful at that. They feel it in their essence. But Robbie, the the area where we could create even a conversation on, you know, the burnt out is that if you're really aligned correctly, then you should not get burnt. Yes, yes. You see what I'm saying? So there's numerous examples of people who are completely uh, inspired and create increases in energy from doing that for other people or nurturing or helping, right? Mm -hmm. So, and let's take an example, and I hope it's not an uncomfortable one for people, but you know, you decide to travel to Africa and spend four weeks there building homes, right? And by the end of the, I'm just exhausted. Like I, you know, I just, man, what an experience, right? And then you're looking back on it in terms of what the purpose was for doing it. Um, and it comes, you come to recognition that it was just an incorrect alignment, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then there could be other people that go there that, you know, don't want to leave. I was trying to give an analogy of, you know, the alignment where people would think that, it's a, you know, it's a correct alignment that leads to higher purpose, but you shouldn't really be gassed based upon that. It should be so inspiring that it's energizing. But uh, a few things there. So going back to when you were saying some people are afraid to teach their clients to fish because they're afraid that they'll leave. But like one thing Jim talks about, and obviously you talk about this, is that your clients generally, like, you know, if, if you go about this, um, this continuum correctly, Humans are dynamic organisms where our priorities and goals will change over the journey of our lives. So because priorities and, and values change, it means that your clients are always going to need, you know, your, your experience and health to some degree on their journey. So like that, that's one reason why they would stay around. But the other thing too is they're just in terms of making sure you, that you're aligned to a vocation or a passion. Again, the fact that your priorities and values change over the course of your life means that what, what currently fulfills you at, at one certain moment in your life may not, may not be what will fulfill you in the future. Mm-hmm. And one thing I see this in, like this is resonate with so much of me too, is I have a lot of friends and, and you do too, I'd imagine. I have a lot of friends in professional sports like with professional sports organizations. And when you look from the outside in, everyone's like, oh, wouldn't you love to work for that sport organization? I say that it's unreal. And then when you get the, the, like deep down to conversations with these guys who are in these head coach positions, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. They are not, they're not fulfilled mentally, emotionally, physically. Like that example you gave of the person who went to Africa for four weeks and they're like, I'm just tired. Yeah. All the time. And what ends up happening in IC, James, and again, love you to give your perspective of this. You end up, it, it goes back to what I was saying about the mammy syndrome. You end up becoming resentful. Like what you used to love, you now start to hate it. Yeah. And I, I, I make a joke now, James, and I have to thank you for this because you actually gave me the courage to actually come out and say this. Now, I never actually said it to you, but it was just through our conversations where I actually turn around and I start to say, I actually don't love coaching more than i love learning and educating others and like is that okay to say because i was afraid in my mind like people were like, oh he doesn't want to grind 10 hours and then i was like yeah yeah actually i don't because mm-hmm. i love coaching too much to end up resenting it like i mm-hmm. i can coach very well in small qualities whether it's an off-season period or maybe one two hours a day but i am not a person who's going to stand on the floor for 12 hours and then mm-hmm. end up and then end up doing this james oh jesus what you do today james I was oh, 12 hours, man, on the floor. 12 hours. Like, I throw my suffering in your face to play the game mm-hmm. one upsmanship. Even if I don't consciously mean to it, I'm still doing it because of I suffered more, James. I have more self-worth in this world. 
and you know it just becomes this big as i say dick measure competition among the among the males and obviously just female coaches in there as well but it's just this game of one one upsmanship and again they just end up resenting something they used to love and they fail to realize listen what used to fulfill you is no longer fulfilling you and you need to you need to continue on your journey and seek out the next the next the next path in, in your journey yeah and you're in control of that so it could still be coaching on the floor for six hours over time but when it was first inspiring for a couple of years, you may need to keep the same vocation. I'll just offer a different idea. You may not need to change the vocation, but you yes, may need to yeah. change the, the situation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so what's inside that coaching? Maybe you change your atmosphere. You know? So I was, you know, in my early part of career, I was very hands-on and very controlling um, in my own mind, right? Not to everyone else, but it could be perceived that way definitely because I wanted things done right, you know? Um, where now... Um, I like to just being the person who just organizes the orchestra. So when I'm on the floor coaching, I just want to make sure everything in the entire gym and every organism is working together in unison because I believe that will be, in essence, what creates the greatest zone so that everyone can bubble up in progression, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm like one-on-one -on -one with someone for two hours. You know, that to me, that's not as fulfilling anymore to use your example. So, but you can see I was still coaching for two hours. That's yes. my point is that you need to learn how to, had to transition that over time. That, that, may, that may even be backwards. You may be the orchestra component and you may revert back to going back to one person for two hours over time, but it's still the exact same thing. So yeah, That's very powerful noticing on your, on your behalf for that. Um, and then you can recognize the alignments do change and then get ready to, uh, to kind of shift with clients on that. And again, I resonate so much what you said there because I'm even feeling that sort of ebb and flow that, Again, we don't want to get into this linear thought process that like, so someone could listen and go, okay, so it's okay to be fulfilled and then maybe find something that's slightly different to fulfill us again and again, and, and then think that you actually can't go back to an original fulfillment. Cause again, it, like, so, cause, yeah. I, cause even lately, like, uh, even though like I haven't been coached as much, like in my mind, I'm like, I think I really want to start coaching a little more again. So like, yeah. you know, but like, it's, it's okay to have, like, it's not, it's not this, so you're our, like, you know, it isn't this linear line that just goes from A to B. It's more like a continual circle, you know, a feedback, yeah. it's a feedback loop. Um, and I think that's important. And just what you said there, like really resonated in terms of, I wasn't there for two hours, but like, that's not to say that I might go back one day and be like, well, that was fulfilling two hours. Yeah, exactly. So it gives people hope on what it looks like. Cause I still, the essence is they still love coaching, right? Yeah. It's just that that's going to, that's going to, you're going to wear a different cloak, you know, every couple of years based upon that. Um, also one, you know, folks to think about the biggest, I think the biggest fallacy that gets a lot of folks into trouble is their own experiences in fitness and then them wanting to help other people with that same experience. Right. So that's where all the alignment is incorrect. And possibly where you talked about those coaches, those coaches, professional coaches are doing it for the wrong reason. Yes, right. So yes. they probably thought that, you know, they're going to be able to help build a system and, you know, really put their impact on winning and whatnot. And then they get inside the like, I'm just following orders, you know, and I don't, I'm not creative whatsoever. So you could take, well, I, I actually have no idea, but, Bill Belichick is not going to be around that long if he doesn't enjoy it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it, you know, and of course wins and losses, of course, certainly help it. Um, and summertime opportunities, but you get what I'm saying is that he's probably fulfilled like deep inside. There's some fulfillment. Otherwise he wouldn't be there. You could take other professional coaches and say, you know, they, you can just see them, right. They put on weight, they get so unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, although it's uncomfortable to talk about, it's probably the wrong alignment. Like you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. If it pulls you away from what would be considered general health measures, healthy behaviors, right? If it does that, 
Um, and there, you know, there's a lot to, lot to be discussed on that in sport politics and, and mm. the purpose of sport and et cetera. But, um, you know, so, something for people to think about that they can be in the same skin for like 30 years and be okay. It's just that it's going to change a little bit and be okay with that over time. Yeah. Again, a lot of, lot, a lot of what you said there resonates too. Cause you know, you, again, you, and that's not to say as you, as you said there, like the, with the Bill Belichick example, that's not to say there isn't guys in pro sports who are still thriving off of them and they are mentally, physically, emotionally healthy and everything's in balance. But just two things. And that is that this is why you often see like high school coaches or like coaches of like just volunteer coaches of teams who do an outstanding job and they love it and they're so mm-hmm. fulfilled Mm-hmm. And like people are like, do you ever think about like you know, do you, do you never want to go into pro sports? And they're like, no, impact I can have on these young kids. And I guess that like they don't, they might say this, but they're like, I'm in full charge of this whole program. Yeah, yeah, and that's what they, but that's what they won't tell you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're repressing that. It's almost like our parents, you know, your mom and my mom. It's like <laughs> they'll repress that because they're not the Irish Catholic told them they're not supposed to say it, right? It's like eh, it's okay actually if you're doing this out of self interest. Um, I call it, you know, self-preservation or I call it beautiful alignment of priorities. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just that no one wants to say that. It's like, you know, who are you to say that you're, you're loving this because you control all these kids in your entire program until you sit in their shoes. They're like, actually, this is fantastic. Yes. Like, I love doing this. And you make an impact on some young children. I mean, gosh. That's exa- that's the exact point that I was getting there, and like the again the words that's in my head or the words in my head right now is no judgment to that. That's perfect because yeah, no. the ali- the alignment's there, and it's it's like it's like um proper manipulation, like because people hear the word manipulation, they always nearly automatically think it's a negative thing. It's like you can yeah. manipulate like for very good things, like make people have more mm-hmm. belief in themselves. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I see that, and uh, a really good I'll send it to you because it's only about 10, 11 minutes. Um, really good documentary on Richmond Football Club who won the um, Australian Rules Football Premiership last year. They finished okay. 13th the year before and it's really good. Like, So it's interviewing a few oh, players. Oh, wow. I would enjoy that. Interviewing a few players, but the head coach, right? And this, this is what got me into it was they're interviewing the head coach and the head coach is just like, he's like, yeah, he says like, you know, uh, I went home to my wife one day and she's just like, I don't like being around you. You're just not a nice person to be around. And he's like, that was the day it hit me. And I was just like, I'm not the person I want to be. I'm not the coach I want to be. And he says, our only priority with the players coming into the, the, this season, 2017 season, was that we want the players just to smile and love the process. And that was it. There was no talk about winning. Nothing, nothing. Went down, won the premiership from finishing 13th, oh, nice. ter- 13th out of 18 teams the year before. And you can tell, like, while well, the players, like, the interviews that they were just, like, so connected. So, no, no, no that's a spoiler alert, but did he keep his relationship? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was uh, no. There wasn't a divorce there, but what? What? Um, you know, what I'm saying because sometimes that gets skewed. It's like, you know, you forget that there's numerous priorities, right, in someone's life, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you recognize that you know that that person may have had injected values from um, society, uh, religious values, friendship, peers, generational, you know that uh, is embedded in their head is like, if your partner and your significant other says that, you know, uh, you know, there's an issue there, all of a sudden now there needs to be a shift in priorities. But this is, this is the uncomfortable point back to self-interest. So back to my point, um, which is why it sounded so great in the end, it's a great story to finish with that they basically just took it all off and they kind of just went into a great flow state. Um, is that in some cases people make those critical decisions because someone else hasn't injected a value inside of them. 
You know what I'm saying? Where that coach may have been quote unquote an asshole in the relationship, but when you saw them coaching, they were completely fulfilled and alive. Mm, mm, mm. You see that? So that's where the injection of other values and, and you know, what, what, what is healthy in the end. Right. And in the end, which is why I wanted to know about the relationship, if the relationship was sustainable, he was happy, you know, a better person to be around their team succeeded. Obviously there was something great about the alignment that happened there. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's more, the la- it, it is more the latter case that you, uh, you've alluded to okay. there in terms of like, it, like the job was making him miserable. And as he went home, he was miserable. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, Got it. and then he Got was it. like, it's again, it comes back to like Victor Franklin that you are in control of how you perceive any, any type of environment. So like he kind of so like, he says, I'm letting myself be miserable. Like I'm being a slave environment rather than I'm choosing to be miserable. And he's like, so the only thing we had coming this season was happy players, love the process. And he's like, I got to lead. I got to wear that from the front. Like, and by the way, it was their first championship in 36 years, I believe in the, in the documentary, but there's also another really good one. And I'll send it to you too. Cause I really like this guy, even though they're the worst team in the AFL Carlton. Um, Carlton? It, uh, Carlton's the name of the football club but it's called it's called The Journey and there's season one and it's three episodes with 40 minutes long and then there's season two and they're seven episodes but they're 20 minutes long but it's basically just like the inner workings of the club but but the head coach Brendan Bolton I think you'll really like him just like I just feel so sorry from that like they're such they're just they're young and inexperienced so they're not winning a lot but just like his whole outlook in coaching I think is just fabulous He's so well balanced. Like, you know, he'd be telling boys home to the family, like, and just stuff they're doing. And there was, there was, he brought in this coach who's like 61 years and he had, he'd been with numerous teams in the AFL. And um, he spoke at one of the last episodes and uh, he was retiring and he just said, um, like, for only for Ben and Bolton, he says, I was turned into that bitter old bastard of a coach. And he said, do you know what, what's made, because everyone's like, oh, that, like the 61-year-old, I was like, oh, he's great, he's so lovable, he's a great old man, and everyone was like, uh, everyone was like, um, like, couldn't believe that, like, you know, that some people thought he was an asshole at previous jobs and all that, like, because he said he'd become a very bitter old man with the game, and, like, they were asking him in the interviews, like, like what changed you? And he goes, Brendan Bolton, head coach, he, he made a 61-year-old man feel wanted. And like you want to see this guy Brendan Bolton, like uh, the head coach, like he would, he would, like he brings like the administrating staff out on the pitch and brings them to a huddle, like people working in the office, like the reception and all, and would say thank you so much for your work. There was a guy to one of the kit men, and his and his father, I think his grandfather passed away, and you just see Brendan Bolton going to, on the ground saying how was the funeral, and you know it's tough, I understand that, and the kit man goes, oh thanks so much for giving me the time off for the funeral. And Brendan Bolton's like, of course, he's like it's your granddad. So just like I just, I think you'd really like uh, like that. We should have him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, Brendan Bolton. Yeah, I'd say come on, he seems to be a pretty cool dude. Um, but listen, we're, we're wrapping on there an hour. Uh, I think that's some really really great material there. So uh, you yeah, know. thanks for the conversation. It's always good to talk about alignment. Yeah, I love this conversation. So we had good updates there on yourself and OPEX and CCP, and you know, so we got the mixed model digital course and the book coming out. Um, then we spoke about setting realistic client expectations, spoke a little bit about, co- about coach uh, work-life balance. And the uh, final thing I just want to wrap up on is this Functional Fitness Federation in London. Mm-hmm. Will, you, will you be there in October? Yes, I will. Yeah, the World Championships in early October. I think I'll go over to that. Awesome. Great to see you. Yeah, because we haven't seen each other in, in I'll live. I'll give you a VIP box uh, spot. Oh, will you? Yeah, uh, man. Really, really stuff. Great stuff. I'll be the only Irish person there not drinking. They'll be like, yeah. <laughs> 
He's a unicorn. That's what boys Well, are. the athletes can't, so... Um... That's not too bad. But I'm Irish is what I'm trying to say. I'm Irish and I don't drink. Mike Boyle calls me the unicorn. It's gas. Where he used to introduce me to everyone and like, you know, Alan Cosgrove or uh, Chris Boyer from Perform Better. He's like, this is Robbie from Ireland. He's a fucking unicorn. They were like, what? He goes, Does, doesn't drink. And they'd be like, get out of here. No way. Yeah. So maybe <laughs> just, do you want to maybe just before we wrap up, uh, allude to the, uh, I know you've spoken about it once or twice, but um, we'll probably do a whole podcast on that too. Uh, the Functional Fitness Federation, what's going on in London, and maybe just give a little snapshot. I obviously, I know about your projections for it in the future, but maybe just yeah. wrap on up for a minute or two if you want. Yeah. Um, to be quick, we have a goal of having um, functional fitness um, uh, champions um, team and individual champions at the Olympics um, in 2028. Um, that's our goal. Um, and that's not the only goal for the, the global nonprofit um, company. Um, the goal is to create governance around the sport, um, which has, it does not have that today, no matter what people think, um, it does not. Um, and it requires that governance to create viability and sustainability of the sport, uh, for two of the major assets, which is the athlete and the coach, Mm. not the sponsors, um, or the, uh, rigs or who makes equipment or who sells supplements or media. That's not, that's not what it's for. Um, so we want to build this grassroots idea on, um, truly making a sport sport, you know, making mixed modal a sport. Um, and it's been practiced as such, but it hasn't been treated as such. Now we have local, um, regional, you know, regional state, national world, and in the future Olympic championships, um, and we will have the world's this year will be rep- represented by numerous countries, um, individuals and teams. Um, that'll be in early October in London where we'll crown um, the world champions. Um, and we're going to continue that every year um, and continue to build uh, governing bodies um, until we get up to, um, you know, the 40 plus mark. Um, we're at 30 something right now who are qualified and, um, and, uh, no full governing bodies, but we want to get to 40 and then we sit at the table with IOC or GAFE and have that great conversation on why we believe we want to build this uh, sport and its culture. Sweet. Great stuff. And real quick, finally, are you still taking your break from reading or are you currently reading any good books? No, nothing. Uh, I'm writing more and, uh, nice. Out on my, uh, just doing some, some podcasts, the odd, uh, AM, uh, NPR, um, kind of listen to see what's, what's been going on, um, while walking the dog or, uh, paddle boarding or kayaking. Listen, that yeah. was an absolute, uh, solid hour of a conversation that this is probably one of my favorites. It was just really, really enjoy, really enjoyable. Uh, so I'll yeah. wrap up there. Um, James, as always, thanks so much for your time and for everyone listening. Thank you so much for your earbuds. And for now, from me, Robbie Burke and from James, peace. Take care.